0: this Britain's brightest teenager? This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a wet and chilly England. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you, or heaven help me, causes you to choke on your mango kefir, please let me know. As always our call in telephone number is 844-527-8723, that's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Oh, dear. There seems to be lots of illness about. I had uh, my youngest child's tutor cancel this morning with a streaming cold. It sounds like the king dude is not feeling too great. It's a homemade soup day, according to Maggie. Jacqueline pointing out poor guy. I don't know how he talks all day. I could barely talk yesterday. My students are being patient with me. I think they like the fact that my brain is in a fog and they don't have to work so hard. Uh, Philip saying, after Thanksgiving, I ended up with finding a fully cooked turkey for 64 cents. So I did turkey dinner again on Sunday. Of course, another carcass means more soup. Chicken soup was always the, you know, if you're not feeling too well, chicken soup. But turkey soup, I'm sure, is fine. I hope the king dude is fully recovered and in full voice in the next hour. Before I go any further, tomorrow... The wonderful Paul Macaree will be filling in for me all the way from Belfast because I have to do something ice skating related, believe it or not. Let's face it, the only reason I'm ever away from this microphone is because of ice skating. And I will then be doing the show on Thursday and the South Africans will be doing Friday because of, guess what, ice skating. So just so you don't get a shock when instead of my dulcet tones, you get Paul Macquarie all the way from an even colder and wetter Belfast. Ah, Jacqueline saying, I prefer plain kefir. Well, I have only just discovered kefir. I was Advice to take more fermented foods because apparently it's very good for arthritis or my my particular kind of arthritis. But I didn't fancy sauerkraut. Uh, But kefir, I found is really rather nice. But I do find it a bit cheesy, just a little bit too sour for my palate. So I've taken to mixing it with fruit like banana pulp and mango pulp and things like that. And I do really very much like it. It's become my breakfast of choice. Line my stomach for the day. Uh, Denise, I hope your knee is feeling a little bit better. I hope we can all be healthy and well and pain-free for Christmas. My Advent wreath, by the way, is on its way to being patched up. I will put a photograph of the new beautiful street candles as and when I've got the whole thing up together. It's that time of year to have a merry and manly Christmas. To take part in the contest, to buy your tickets, and get the chance to win one of over $5,000 worth of prizes. Go to crusadechannel.com forward slash merry. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. Lots of prizes. Prizes for girls. Prizes for boys. Prizes for adults. Lots of lovely prizes. Well, Philip is saying I had blueberry this morning. I have converted to blueberry over the years. They weren't quite so common over here until relatively recently. I'm more of a raspberry person, but berries are so good for you. There's nothing like a little medley of blueberries, raspberries, and strawberries, just to, with a bit of kefir, just to get you going in the morning. It makes me feel really healthy. Then I go and have the the chocolate donuts and things like that. Anyway. I was thinking, you know, we we worry a lot about the environment. Oh, blueberry kefir. Sorry, um, Philip. That that sounds really good. I was worried that everyone would go, kefir, what's that weird health freak nonsense? There we are. You see two people have already signed into the chat room to say that they drink kefir too. Hooray. I feel not quite so alone in my strange choices. We we understandably worry a lot about the environment because it's the world in which we're living and raising our children and all of the rest. And... I found it quite reassuring to realise that this is something we have worried about for a long time and we have found solutions. On this day in 1952 in London, a terrible event occurred called the Great Smog. The Great Smog. Now London smog was always um, a bit of a thing, you know, Dickensian stories, you always think of London shrouded in grimy smog and you know, Jack the Ripper creeping out of the shadows and that kind of thing. But it continued well into the 50s and the last terrible event of great smog happened in 1952, it started on this day. And what caused it was a combination of cold weather, a uh, sort of cold fog descended on London and it combined with the serious air pollution there still was in London at the time. You know, most people heated, but everyone heated their houses with wood fires or coal fires. And in the weeks and months that followed the great smog, twelve thousand people died of respiratory-related um, problems, complications. Twelve thousand people. In London, in and around London as a result of that. And it was because of the great smog that they then brought out the Clean Air Act. And to this day, if you live in a city or a large town, um, it's usually a smokeless area and you're not allowed to burn coal or wood. Um, You you have to burn smokeless fuel to keep the air clear. It was a terrible warning of what happens if you don't look after the air around you. And a lot of people died. Hospitals were inundated. The idea now of smog in London is kind of well it feels victorian doesn't it so we can find ways of dealing with problems of dealing with the environmental problems we've also caused it just you know we're clever people we're human beings we have brains we can work our way around these things um Jacqueline is saying I don't have time to make breakfast in the morning so when I get to work I have my kefir and sometimes I mix orange juice with it stop at um two uh too busy, too busy. Uh, yeah, talking, texting, texting, too busy feeding animals instead of myself. That's always a bit of a danger, isn't it? Um, I find I'm I'm usually having my i having my breakfast kefir now. Bear in mind it is sixteen minutes past eleven over here, and I've been up since quarter past four. But you know the mornings are really busy. It can be very easy just to forget to do something as basic as eat. Uh, so, no, no, not good. Need to remember to eat. But kefir is a great breakfast substitute. Anyway, I said today, is this Britain's brightest teenager? Now, this is one of those stories where it's all very entertaining, but I honestly don't know what to make of it. A 16-year-old girl in Britain, originally from Pakistan, currently living in Slough in the south of England, Manur Chima, is believed to be the cleverest teenager in Britain. She has obtained 34 A-stars in her GCSE exams. Now, just to give you some kind of a context here, the minimum number of GCSE exams, General Certificate of Secondary Education, it stands for GCSE exams, a British teenager has to take is five in order to progress to sixth form to do their A levels. So there are some compulsory GCSEs, English language and maths, for example. They're also expected to do at least one science, but they have to get a minimum of five. The average is about eight. If you're a bit more academic, you might do a few more. I did 11 GCSEs and they're graded A star, which is a pretty difficult grade to get right the way down to E or f well i think once you get beyond once you get below a c it's not really a pass so this girl has managed to get 34 a stars now that is huge i don't know how it's even possible to get that many exam results let alone top exam results how you'd even have the time to study for all those subjects and there's a whole list here of all the subjects she's done you know um, Physics, maths, computer science, Latin, Urdu, classics. Uh, And there would, of course, be quite a few overlaps, I'm guessing. Um, But she now, having achieved more GCSE results than any other teenager in Britain, it is a record, she's now aiming to break the record for A-levels. At a level you tend to study, um, we specialise a little bit earlier in Britain, at 18, you study for your A-level exams and you're supposed to do three. Very occasionally, very occasionally, the really bright ones will do four. Um, or if you want to have a breakdown, you have five. They're, they're very, very in-depth subjects. So, yes, mostly, but I did three. Um, however, she's now planning on breaking the record for the number of A-levels by aiming to complete 28 A-levels. She has already completed four in just a couple of months. Um, She has virtually total recall and learns things very, very quickly. So this is her plan. There's a photograph here of her sitting surrounded by piles and piles of books. She plans to get top A-level marks in psychology, sociology, law, business, accounting, economics, Latin, German, computer science, film studies, politics, classical civilisations, maths, further maths, geography, media studies, physics, chemistry. Biology, English literature, film studies. they've already said they've said film studies once already. That's cheating, French, statistics, accounting, marine studies, thinking skills, and English language. But she said this is a low estimate she may take even more. And she aims to study medicine at Oxford University. She ultimately she wishes to be a doctor and this has caused quite a bit of debate because it's so incredibly unusual she's got a hugely high iq um, as you can probably imagine um, she also plays the piano and does other things she doesn't just study and yes it's uh, her iq is 161 higher than stephen hawking oh i have a phone call hello Good morning, Fiorella. How are you? I'm very well. Good morning, Philip. So how's it going? You watched the film? I
1: did, yes. I watched it on Saturday.
0: Wow. So, okay. What did you make of it?
1: How many spoiler alerts do you want?
0: Um, Well, maybe give me the spoiler alert if you're about to say something to do with the ending. And um, if people want to just turn the volume down for a moment, they can.
1: Well, the biggest problem with describing the movie is that the ending takes place in the first two minutes of the film.
0: Oh, well, that's co- kind, kind of, of okay then. It,
1: it kind of, it's, it, it starts out, so, uh, well, first question, how old is your youngest?
0: Eleven. Can- okay. You, do you reckon that's a bit young, actually- Eleven. Uh, 11. Um
1: yeah. I don't think it's too I don't think it's too young. My son watched most of the first half of it and he only just lost interest cuz he wanted to play with his friends but um there's nothing. there's nothing visually super graphic in the movie. So okay. it's more of a it's more of a um a the the story is kind of it's an emotional story. So if you're emotionally sensitive to death it can be a little bit hard to watch
0: mm-hmm. sure
1: but visually um it's an anime but it's not what i would consider a high highly detailed anime it's it's perfect for what it is um and it, like mm. you said, there's nothing graphic i've I've watched anime where the gore and even the sexuality is just you know ridiculous they, yeah. They will, because they can draw it, they make things so over the top. There's nothing over the top in this. Um, okay. You see the fire bombing of after. It's it's it, it's right after the right after the major bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I believe, like right around 1945, is when most of the picture takes place. So you see after mm-hmm. effects of fire bombing the the villages. So you're going to see. You're going to see people get burnt, and uh, you'll see some charred bodies. But again, it's not detailed graphically. It's, it's very tastefully done in that respect. So the biggest Fine. problem is if, if you're really paying attention, it's just emotional because you're ultimately dealing with the death of two children, a brother and a sister. I mean, they, lose, they lose everything due to, the, wow. to this whole process. But mm-hmm. that's where you start. It was it caught me by surprise because the first line of the movie is "It's September twenty first, nineteen forty five. It's the day I died," and I'm like, "Oh man, that's my birthday. That's unfortunate."
0: <laughs> Gosh. So, so you know right from the start what it's what it's about. Yes, if you're paying attention, you you know
1: it, it starts off with the both of the kids in the afterlife. More or less, they meet up with each other, and they're happy, and then the rest of the movie is the story about what happens to them and how they end up there. So it was, I mean, it was a really interesting, it was a very moving story. Um, kind of felt at the end, like almost in disbelief that that would have happened then. I mean, people do awful things to children today. Hmm. 1945 Japan's culture. I was a little surprised that they described, um, well basically, most all of the adults, except for one police officer that they run into, are really just not nice to them, and they're orphans, and it's like nobody everybody's out to fend for themselves, that they really just don't care that these two kids are almost starving to death more or less True. so wow. I, I kind of found that a little a little bit of um, a stretch, almost like Lord of the Flies," where that was kind of a made up thing, and the studies they did found that the kids would have actually worked well together. And survive Mm -hmm. well.
0: Do um, do you know the awful thing is, Philip, that I can actually imagine how that happened with, and obviously I was born long, long after the war, but when I think of, say, the memories my grandparents' generation had of the Nazi occupation of Europe, they talk about that kind of survival of the fittest mentality. The way children on their own were just, all you cared about was yourself and your family and how you could just forget. I mean, it's it's horrible, but maybe that is the terrible reality of war.
1: I just had a different impression of Japanese culture at the time with such a strong focus on honor. And I mean, there are people are willing to commit suicide for the sake of honor that it seemed odd that there would be so many people willing to overlook the welfare of these kids. That, sure. was, that was the yeah. only odd part to me, but I mean, it, it certainly makes sense within the context of a war film.
0: Mm, but it's just still very hard hitting. I mean, do you think in a, in a way, is this a good way to introduce themes like war and the reality of war for children?
1: Of uh, uh, Yeah, I, I, I think it's probably better than other movies. Like I said, I, I, I don't hold back a whole lot with my kid with regard to historical movies like this. He's into learning about this stuff now. So we've sure. watched movies that you probably wouldn't show your kids that are far more uh, visually graphic. Um, and they can, uh, Last Saving Private Ryan, that certainly can be a, an emotional movie. Wow, yeah. Level. I mean, when you're dealing with kids, it's always a different type of emotion, but... I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to get that at their age, like yeah. you do as a parent. Um, yeah. But it's uh, I, of all the ways that you could do it and get a serious introduction to the after effects of war, um, It's not. It's, it, I'd say it's, it's a, a, a better way to, or, or a decent way to do it. I said sure. I can't predict how your kids will react to the emotionality of it. Um, have they read, like, Where the Red Fern Grows? Or Old Yeller. These are Mm. these are American stories. I'm not sure how familiar they are, but
0: Um, I I know of them. They haven't read them, but they have read books um, like well, that probably aren't so. maybe aren't so popular in the States, like across the barricades about the Irish Troubles and things like that. So they've, they've read fairly emotionally impactful books before, particularly about warfare. So I don't know. I think they could probably cope with it. And, you know, I was, I was saying on the the other day on the show that I think it's, it's always a bit of a dilemma, isn't it, at what point you introduce these things to children. But perhaps as the war gets further and further from living memory and the war in Japan, of course, is so distant from any of our experiences that perhaps it's a good thing to show to children, maybe I'll, sh- I'll watch it with them. I think perhaps that's the thing to do.
1: The, the uh, some of the interesting points. It's very. It, it it describes them, and even in all of their misery, the two kids still manage to have fun and enjoy life, which is a really mm-hmm. nice message. And um, was the other interesting part of it was um, oh, at least from the kids, per- this, the boy's perspective, because his father is a naval officer. Um, just the way they talk, you know, it, it drives the point home that not everybody is evil, that we fight as an enemy, and they're just people living their lives, and they think the same way we do about they're proud of their military and all of the—what they perceive as honorable conquests that their country is doing to be a better country, bigger, more powerful country, like any country— that's on the winning side of history, sees their country's expansion as a great thing. Sure. You know, it Uh, shows you that the public is. So,
0: yeah, Um, there was a criticism of South Korea refused to distribute the film because they said it was, um, they felt the Japan, it was a Japanese film trying to justify Japan's involvement in the Second World War. Is that fair or do you think it's fairly balanced?
1: I don't think it, well, again, like I said, from the kids' perspective and it's they see it in a glorified way. They're not they're not um, in the know of all of the political things that are going on. They're just looking at it like your average young teenager watches a Fourth of July parade here in the states, or any any parade honoring a British conquest of war. Hmm, you know, you're sure. we're on the winning side, so we think it's a great thing. I don't think the movie is trying to justify Japan's, they don't say anything about their motives or anything else. All it is is just, it's one small perspective of what the war was about through the eyes of a child.
0: Sure. Well, that's really useful. Thank you so much for watching the film and and sharing that because... I think now I probably will show my children the film. Just knowing my children as I do, I think they would cope with it. Um, and we'll see if anyone else listening uh, does watch the film, write in the chat room or phone in and say how you got along with it. Thank you very much for calling, Philip.
1: Absolutely. Just make sure you bring your tissues.
0: Oh, I will. <laughs> Thank you. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> Have a great morning. Well, so that's that's a really good endorsement. I will... Maybe I, w- I think I might show the children that film after Christmas. I, I think it, I think it might slightly mar the Advent season, but I would like to show it to them. So I, I would like to have those conversations. Certainly when my children watch The Great Escape, it made quite a big impression, um, particularly because it, it is such a tragic film and so many people die. Um Dr Torres is making the comment in the chat room about uh, the idea of honour. Depends on the amount of time they'd be left alone, their degree of socialisation. There are a lot of unsocialised savages in today's society. They have no honour and will not be committing harikari. Um, the King Dude saying that was the point of Clint Eastwood's Flags of Our Fathers. Uh, I don't know that film. Um, Sadly, I don't know many. Um, I don't know many Clint Eastwood films, dare I say it. Uh, the King Dude team, my favourite Steve McQueen movie ever, The Great Escape. Yay, British POW camp and the American who comes and saves the day. To be honest with you, King Dude, and this is going to cause a lovely rumpus during the, um, uh, during the cross talk, I think Chicken Run is an infinitely superior film to The, key, the Great Escape. Sorry. Um, as you know, Rocky as Steve McQueen in, on his tricycle. That sort of thing. But I, if I let the children watch The Great Escape so they would understand all the humour in Chicken Run, I felt they wouldn't get it unless they watched The Great Escape. But as war films go, it's one of the classics, isn't it? King Dude, you've never seen Chicken Run? Oh, my goodness. No, 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 no. You have got to watch Chicken Run. If you like The Great Escape, you have got to watch Chicken Run, particularly before the sequel comes out. There's a Chicken Run 2 coming out, which I don't think will be nearly as good because Chicken Run is such a classic. You've got Mel Gibson as the uh, as the Steve McQueen character, and it's, it's a, a chicken farm, but it's a POW camp. And it's full of references to The Great Escape. If you've seen The Great Escape, you'll laugh all the way through. It is just so funny. Please watch it, King Dude, and tell me what you made of it, Okay, We can do a Chicken Run film review during cross-talk sometime. Um, Philip is saying, I love Chicken Run, but you know who the voice of Rocky is? It is Mel Gibson. I know it's Mel Gibson. It, to be fair, he's a good sport in that film. He is sort of sending himself up, really. Anyway, we have got to go to an ad break on that On that happy note. Um, you are listening to The Early Show. Our call-in telephone number is eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. That's eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. 527 in the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat do talk to me do join the conversation do call in it's a wonderful thing to have a caller on the show the early show will continue in a few moments here on the crusade channel live talk radio the way it should be you early risers and insomniacs and those of you catching the shows rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us you are listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond Fiorella de Maria our call in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com Forward slash chat. Do talk to me. Do join the conversation as you enjoy your blueberry kefir, your plain kefir, or your mango kefir for breakfast. If you have missed the first segment, never fear. You can get the whole of the early show as a podcast same day from crusademax.com. And it's that time of year again to have a merry and manly Christmas, to take part in the contest to get your tickets and get the chance to win over. One of over $5,000 of prizes, go to crusadechannel.com forward slash Mary. Listen out for the soundbite and call in. We have been talking about films. Well, we, no, hang on a second. We've been talking about the world's or the country's brightest teenager, Britain's brightest teenager who achieved, she's got an IQ higher than Stephen Hawking, who wants to study medicine at Oxford. But we then ended up talking about films. We had a wonderful film review. Philip phoned in and Philip's asking, did the call sound okay?" I'm driving, talking on my super duper trucker headset. It sounded as clear as a bell. You could have been practically in the same room. It was so clear. So thank you so much for calling in. Don't be shy, everyone. Call in whenever you like if you have something you want to discuss. And we were talking about this new anime film, actually it's not so new, anime film about two children in Japan in the last days of the Second World War. I was wondering if it was suitable for children to watch because it's extremely hard-hitting. But the feeling seemed to be that, yes... It's very emotional. Uh, you need your tissues with you, but it's really worth a watch. And um, I mentioned that you heard The Great Escape just then, presumably, that Chicken Run is far superior to The Great Escape. Mary's Dowry is asking, what is Chicken Run? Aha, if you have missed, I, I, I would so love to be watching Chicken Run for the first time. Philip saying it's an animated movie. It's so good. It really is so good. Um, and uh, I think it's one of those, it's one of those films. It's an animation, but it's claymation. You know, it's Ardman. You know the way Ardman, like Wallace and Gromit, and that. It's just so good. You have got to watch this, and um, it it will change the way you see The Great Escape forever. Though, um, Maggie's saying, Philip, I couldn't even tell you were on a trucker headset. There must be a super fancy headset. They never sound that good. Yes, um, King Dude, you you sounded great. You're hired. There we go. um Philip's a blue parrot brand, noise cancelling microphone, it's the best I've found. So there you go. Um, Philip, th- thanks, King Dude, it's tempting. There we go. I know it's the theme from The Great Escape, King Dude. That is a song I actually recognise. And in fact, the theme to Chicken Run is such a good pastiche of that. It does in fact sound like a war film theme. Come on, you've got to watch Chicken Run. It's just too priceless. Uh, Paul C. saying, I missed the call, but we'll check it out on the replay. Morning, Brian K. So, yes, Britain's brightest teenager. This has caused some debate because this girl, frankly, she must study all the time. I don't know how she even sleeps. In fact, she says when she gets home from school, she sleeps for three hours um, because she's very tired. Then she wakes up again at 7 p.m., to study and goes to bed again at 2 a.m. The last hour of my day is spent playing the piano, she says. So she says the most studying she ever does in a day is two to three hours. It just comes naturally to me. And some people are saying, wow, you go, girl, that's amazing. Others are saying, sorry, sweetheart, but if you wish to be a doctor, then spending the entire time studying and leafing through textbooks in your room is not a great way to prepare for it if you're a doctor it's not just about the academic side it's about social skills and people management and communication and how on earth can you learn all of those things if you've always got your nose in a book and I don't know really my feeling is that this is in fact wrong um I have um I will say a very gifted child and that, you know, she's, you know, she's 11 and she's doing the sort of maths that most people do when they're 16, 17, and she's a chess player and all sorts of things like that. But I wouldn't want her cramming for hundreds of exams because I just don't think it's healthy. I think you have to have a childhood and you have to have time just to to read, to to go out, to go to go to the theatre, the cinema, to, to speak to your family, to just do all those really precious things. What sort of memories are you going to have of your childhood if you were literally sitting at a desk all day? Uh, Jeffy Mann saying, Chicken Run is such a funny movie. It is just, it is so funny. It just makes fun of the whole war film genre. It's just priceless. Um, Denise, um, same for me. I'll wait for the replay. Um Philip says, I laugh every time the chicken gets out of the box. And the other one asks how she made, made out of, um, how she made out on holiday. I love the character of Babs. That bit where Babs is the rather, she's not the sharpest knife in the drawer, is the way she's characterized in the accompanying book. And she's always coming out with things like that. And there's um, one moment where she almost gets sent to the chop because she hasn't laid any eggs. And she's spared at the last minute, and she faints in the arms of Ginger, who's the kind of leader. And she says, "My life flashed before me, and it were really boring." Yeah, she's she's a she's a laugh a minute is Babs, um, and yes, of course the the uh, the coal box, the coal scuttle Ginger gets sent to every time she's caught trying to escape is the cooler. No, she's even bouncing a ball against the wall. There's just so many details like that. It's so funny, and there's the the slightly chippy British RAF. Uh, Cockrell, Fowler. Oh, Americans can't turn up late for every war, oversexed, overpaid, over here. Uh, every stereotype you want from the war, it's there. It's just wonderful. Please, please, please watch it. Anyway, that's enough on Chicken Run. But how do people feel about the idea of a, a teenager spending her entire life studying? It did occur to me maybe she just enjoys it. Is that possible that this is her idea? It's entirely her plan to spend this much time studying? Is that... Is that naive? I can't imagine at 16 that I would have especially wanted to be buried in books all day, every day. It's just a thought. Anyway, if you have any ideas on this subject, please do go ahead and write into the uh, chat room or give me a call. On the subject of Japan, we've been talking about Grave of the Fireflies, This very hard-hitting anime film about two children struggling to survive in Japan in the last days of the war, not long after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It is the day of the ninja today. I had no idea what a ninja was growing up, and in fact, when Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles appeared in britain in about 1990 they had to, t- to call them they changed the name to teenage mutant hero turtles because they reckoned that no one in britain would have a clue what a ninja turtle was supposed to be now of course we do um we do have ninjas my uh, daughter actually has a ninja costume and they're quite excited by the idea of masked warriors they've got a certain mystique to them and on ninja day your it was It came about as a result of, well, the Tom Cruise film, The Last Samurai, which we've also discussed on this programme. And it's a way to celebrate the sneaky and stealthy masked warriors in black garb from ancient Japan. And to learn about them, ninjas were professional spies, believe it or not. Um, They were active between the 13th and 19th century. And the job was infiltration, sabotage, espionage and assassination. So even though popular culture is full of stories about ninjas, no one really knows very much about them because they were not considered to be part of an elite class of fighters. That was what samurais were. What we do know is what they weren't. They did not dress in black. The ninja, also known as the shinobi, did not wear all black outfits as they're depicted often um, because they were supposed to blend in. They dressed like the locals and these days they tend to be depicted as having superpowers like invisibility or shape-shifting, but they were just spies. So how you celebrate? You celebrate by watching ninja movies or have a ninja, teenage mutant ninja turtle marathon, have a ninja-themed party where you all dress up as ninjas, or you (laughs) go... Okay, who's going to be brave enough for this? Go to work dressed as a ninja and sneak up on your co-workers and friends. My children would love to do that. They'd probably get thrown out of school, however. And guess what? Women were also ninjas. They were known as um, kunoichi. There we are. So now you know. Philip's saying, I still want to be a ninja when I grow up. Um. Dr. Torres, growing up in the United States during the 70s and 80s, we were exposed to kung fu films as well as films about ninjas and samurai. I lived for that stuff. Um, Well, I tell you what, there's a really funny episode of Our Man in Japan where the British presenter James May is doing this tour of Japan. I've mentioned it before. It's a very good documentary series where he goes to um, a samurai swordsman to watch him making a samurai sword. He's one of the few craftsmen who can still make proper original samurai swords. And they get James May all dressed up in the armour and things like that, alongside someone who does it properly. It is killingly funny and really, really interesting. Paul C., guess I have to watch Chicken Run this weekend. Not sure if I've seen that one. All those animated films run together. No, you, you will know if you've watched Chicken Run. It's quite different to say the Wallace and Gromit films and things like that. It's it's very much its own film. It's got its own very distinct, very beautiful style. So do go ahead. This should be the weekend's performance. The weekend's film. Brian K. Woo. I still can't remember what that graphic is supposed to mean where the man becomes a uh, becomes a jet. Somebody help me. Uh, it's been explained to me before and I've forgotten. Philip, what's this? The Ninja Parade. Okay, I'm straight and didn't see it either. (laughs) Okay. Right, I'm looking, I'm looking. Yeah, there we go. It is 53 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. And we have been talking about, well, We appear now to be talking about ninjas, believe it or not. And a surprisingly large number of people seem to have wanted to be ninjas when they grew up or still quite like the idea of being ninjas. Um, my, My daughter got a ninja costume for Christmas about three years ago and she still likes walking around in just about fits. It's a pink ninja outfit, believe it or not. I'm just seeing here that it's also World Soil Day, well, that's got to be a good thing. Soil's great, isn't it? Kind of necessary. Ah, high praise. It's our greeting to each other, um, uh, Brian is saying. Okay, that's it. Gotcha. Okay, high praise. There we are. I do remember now. Okay, well, moving swiftly on from uh, Britain's Brightest Teenager to anime films to the. Day of the Ninja to World Soil Day and all of that, too. Hmm. A tricky subject. Or maybe not. Let's have a think about this. Is it possible? Oh, my goodness. Philip So you've opened a can of worms with a with ninja topic. I never know when I'm going to open a can of worms, you realise i always think, I'll just throw this one in and, you know, there we go. And then suddenly everyone's saying, oh, ninjas, yes, I love ninjas. Okay, is anyone going to admit, before I move on to serious s- subjects and all the rest, did anyone actually like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I, I wonder if it was just that it was a kind of an American thing, it didn't translate right over here, but perhaps I was just slightly too old. Maybe if I'd been a little child when they came out, I would have got it, but I just did not get why four tortoises would be named after famous painters, live in the sewers, and eat pizza. I said it the way you like pizza. Why would anybody do that? Oh, Maggie's saying, I watched the cartoons of Teenage Newton, uh, Ninja, Newton, uh, uh, Ninja Turtles when I was young. Okay. Ninja worms, Jack oh very good, Yes. Look, if, if turtles can be ninjas, then worms can be, too. Let's face it. I just didn't get it. I have, I have this one of these really awkward memories where there was a lovely Canadian family near us because we were an army town. We did occasionally get some really interesting people living in the neighbourhood because it wasn't just British Army. You also had liaison uh, families from different parts of the commonwealth and and just from various parts of the eu all over the place and you know there was a french liaison family we were very friendly with there was also this canadian family lovely people and they had a son about my age i think we were about 12 called bradley and we all went for Sunday lunch. We had this delicious Canadian meal. It was I don't know, chicken and broccoli and cheese and this sort of thing. And the, the dad was a Canadian Mountie. He was so tall. I thought he was about eight feet tall. He was huge. And he looked exactly as you imagined a Canadian Mountie would look at the moustache and, and the, and, the, and the, the big personality. He was so funny. And, um, Afterwards, while the the grown ups chatted and had coffee and tea and things, we went upstairs to have our own entertainment and Bradley got me to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film and I have never been so bored. I just remember it was a live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, there were were actors dressed up in life-size turtle costumes. It was terrible. There we are. But besides that, they were a lovely family. and I have many happy memories of them, which do not involve teenage mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, In fact, they were the ones who introduced me to ice hockey because they brought all their kit over, assuming they'd play, not realizing there aren't many ice rinks in Britain. I had never come across ice hockey either until I met the Davidson family. Um, Brian Kaye, my oldest nephew, was crazy about Ninja Turtles. It was a huge craze. I remember there just being Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle things everywhere. You know, all the merch. I mean, also, you know, stationery and footballs and clothes. It was just, it was all over the place. Horrible. What were we thinking of? Um, Dr. Torres saying, speaking of teens, I came across a story on YouTube about a pair of twins who were dropped off at a homeless shelter on their 18th birthday. Oh, this is awful. I thought because it was Dr. Torres, I thought it was going to be a joke. Speaking of teens, I came across a story on YouTube about a pair of twins who were dropped off at a homeless shelter on their 18th birthday. Their parents, who adopted them at four years old, drove them from their home state of Illinois and dropped them in Atlanta. A guy was interviewing the girls, and it was a heartbreaking story. That is awful. What a terrible thing to do. Why would you do that? That is just heartbreaking. Um, the awful thing is, I have come across stories like that. Um, I, one of the early books I reviewed on the Furella Files was called My Name Is Why by Lem Sisse. And um, I don't know how many of you ha- went on to read the book, but it was a memoir um, by a poet. In fact, he's, he's quite well known as a poet over here. And he was adopted and he was fostered as a baby, but it was a permanent fostering situation. He was taken from his mother. He later found out his mother was, I think, from Ethiopia. Uh, I can't remember his country of origin, but she was studying in Britain. She had this baby and the baby was taken into care and she believed she could bring she could get the baby back. But then the, the situation that the, you know, the whole system went against her and she lost her baby and he was then fostered by a white family and he talked about what it was like being a black kid growing up in a white family in a white neighborhood and the way you know his foster mother used to be spat on in the street because she had a black kid and it was it was a very hard-hitting memoir but basically, when he was about 14, he was going through a bit of a difficult patch. Nothing especially serious. He was just being a teenager, as far as I could make out. And his foster family got bored of him. And because they were only foster family rather than adopted, they weren't obliged to look after him. So they just dumped him in an orphanage at 14, having having had this family life and believing this foster family to be his family he had a brother you know he who was his brother suddenly he's just ejected from the family and i just could not understand how anyone could do that and his social worker who had to you know who'd been in touch with you know all the all the time he'd been in in the foster family care then had to transfer him to this orphanage said to him in the car none of this is your fault it happens It happens with tedious regularity, particularly with mixed race fostering. When the child gets to about 14 and they've outgrown their cuteness, the family get bored of them and just get rid of them. I I just couldn't believe this happened. This actually happens. I mean, how how can you do that to someone who has been practically your own flesh and blood all those years? It, It makes no sense to me at all. I I just could not get my head around it and how he managed to come through that and become an incredibly successful young man. It was just beyond me. So um, heartbreaking story, Dr. Torres. But the awful thing is I can imagine it would happen. But I just I can't I can't imagine how you could develop a bond like that with children and and then do that. Um, Philip saying the newest Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie is on Paramount and is good. A throwback to the original series. They're still making these films. Good grief um well there you go um
1: all right you're a reindeer here's your motivation your name is rudolph you're a freak with a red nose and nobody likes you
0: then
2: one day santa picks you and you save christmas now forget that part
1: we'll improvise just keep it kind of loosey
2: you hate christmas you're gonna steal it saving christmas is a lousy ending way too commercial You reject your own nose because it represents the glitter of commercialism. Why didn't I think of that? Cut print, check the gate, moving on.
0: (laughs) Be caller number six. Be caller number six. And Jacqueline is showing in the uh, chat room, what is this? A little golden book of Stranger Things. We can count on 11. Check out the Upside Down page. Wow, I I love Stranger Things. Um, I've admitted this, haven't I? Not normally the sort of thing I'd watch, but my husband and I decided to try it out because of all the 80s nostalgia and got completely hooked. And I watch it with my older children, but definitely only the older children. Um, And there it is, Stranger Things, hooray! Uh, Jeffy Mann is um asking Dr. Torres, wonder if it was one of those financial benefit deals, money to raise the kids, that once complete they abandoned them. Sad really. Um Oh gosh, it looks really scary. There we are, I'm I'm seeing references. I'm I'm just getting references to stranger things here. Denise M saying, although I wouldn't do what those adoptive parents did, I can understand and sympathise. Raising three siblings from ages two, four and six, the four-year-old was oppositional defiant, as is her son now, who is my sweet doodlebug. Sorry, I'm catching... I've caught the king dude's cold across the airwaves. Would you believe it? Um, Yes, I, I just... I I do wonder about the whole the whole financial thing that's just been mentioned. Funnily enough, um, in Malta, you used to get an opposite situation. Um, Just remember, be caller number six. Um, We used to get an opposite situation. My father, when he was a young teacher, used to work at the orphanage there and they had a system where, They could, it was a church run orphanage. They could care for children right from newborns all the way through to when they finished school. And, you know, they would try to help them, you know, learn a trade and make sure they were prepared for adult life. But he said, you've got the opposite situation. These poor little children, they would be all alone. Nobody would ever visit them. They'd never be taken out. No one was interested in them, and the nuns or the the priests, uh, depending if they were boys or girls, would care for them and raise them. And suddenly, when they got to about fourteen, an uncle would appear, who'd start, you know, sending him money, taking him out, taking him home for weekends, you know, for meals. Start, you know, really looking after him and making friends with him, and then. As soon as he turned 16, he'd say, oh, you know, come and live with me and you can work in the family business. So it was, in fact, a financial transaction, but the other way around. They weren't prepared to raise the child, look after the child, pay for the child's education. They let the church do it. And as soon as the child was, it was always boys. As soon as the boy was old enough to be, you know, an extra pair of hands on the building site, they'd take an interest in them. You know, as soon as they could earn money for them, he said it absolutely disgusted and appalled him. It, it happened with tedious regularity. Um, the winner is Paul Cherin. Well done. Sorry, he's Paul Paul C in the chat room. Congratulations, you are the winner. Um, Philip, caller one and four. At least I got on the board. Um, Jacqueline saying Philip you and I tried so hard don't worry yes that's it it's Paul C is the winner many congratulations <laughs> Paul, <laughs> Paul lol really um, Jacqueline so much for our visual visual vig, visual vigil. sorry uh, um, yes Philip it's okay we'll get it you've still got time come on keep trying there we go but many congratulations Paul so, yes, terrible story about adoption, but I'm, I can see how it happens. Okay, well, I'm going to, on, on a subject, on the subject of, you know, um, know hang on, Maggie is saying you still have another chance today. Don't worry, not tomorrow, today, Jacqueline and Philip. So, stay tuned, it could happen, it could be you next. On the subject of, you know, adoption and all the rest of this come into the come to the conversation. Uh, maybe hadn't expected it to, but here it is. So let's play with it. There's an interesting situation developed in Britain, and I'm sure something similar is going on in the states. I suspect it's going on around the Western world. Um, oh, Jacqueline's saying is, I can't listen while I'm teaching. Oh, that's the problem, isn't it? Um, Paul C was half listening and realised it must be the contest. A blind squirrel. Oh, Jacqueline, I'm sorry. Don't don't worry, it might still happen. Come on. Keep keep the hope up. Now the, the the system really for the last couple of generations, the general pattern that was expected was that your children grow up and they go away. They fly the nest as soon as they hit a 18-ish, they fly the nest. They go off to university or college or they get themselves a job, but they leave and they get a place of their own. Even if it's some bedsit somewhere, that is what they do. The idea of multiple generations living together virtually disappeared, I think, after the war. I think that's when it really started to change. And That has now changed again, largely because of house prices and property prices generally being so high and therefore rental prices being high and the cost of living and everything. I think also probably, at least partly because of lockdown and more families having to live together for longer, this is no longer the case. It is no longer the expectation that as soon as a child grows up, they will fly the nest. They're talking about the boomerang generation. The boomerang generation, the kids who just keep coming back. And it's now very common for young people to live with their parents well into their 20s and 30s, and sometimes until they then you know decide to marry and start a family of their own. Um, in fact, the number of Uh, young adults living at home has massively increased between 2006 and 2021 and males in the 20 to 24 age group have had an increase of 46% and now 51% um, in the numbers living at home. Slightly fewer women, interestingly. And it brings certain challenges with it and what the the headline of this article is you can't send them to their room that it can be quite i mean it can be very nice it can be very positive having your adult children living with you it's company if you've got a close uh, you've got a close family it can be lovely i mean i'm sincerely hoping my children will do this i'm absolutely honest about it But it does mean if there are issues, if the young adult is untidy, lazy, never puts the washing out, leaves their damp towel on the floor, comes home at all hours with their friends talking at the top of their voices or drunk or whatever, you can't discipline an adult in the way that you could a child. So what on earth are you supposed to do? It can be very tricky. Um... Oh, here we go. Uh, Brian is saying, oh, poor Jacqueline. Um, Philip and I stayed up till the wee hours to listen last night. Brian said, well, I'll win for you. Uh, that's lovely. Denise said, my hands were wet and couldn't work the keypad to call. Remnant 1803 or two who haven't left yet. Um, 24 and 25 added a grandson so the house is crowded. But Remnant um, 1803, do you like the house being crowded, though? Is it? Does Is it feeling... Is it feeling the way it ought to be? Or are you partly thinking, I'd love them to move on at this stage? Because the the parents interviewed in this article are very varied. Some are saying, well, you know, we've really rediscovered family life. We actually really love being together as a bit more of an adult community. Whereas others have said, you know, we were looking forward to having a bit of, you know, us time or date night. And suddenly we're never, ever going to have our privacy ever again. So it's quite mixed in terms of people's reactions. Mary's dowry, I didn't get my email this morning. It's the first time that's happened. Um, Jacqueline said, I was calling number five today. So close. Oh, I, it's, it's disappointing, isn't it? I appreciate that. But there are more cho- more chances, more chances. Um, yes, Jacqueline's saying it was yesterday's soundbite still. Brian K., I was praying the Angelus, so I missed the contest this morning. Well, think of your reward in heaven, Brian, come on. It's got, it's got to be better than, much, much as we love the Crusade Channel prizes, it's got to be better than a Crus- Crusade Channel prize. Remnant 1803, if one of them would move, we would be comfortable, but I can't kick either out. Yeah, that's the issue, isn't it? Um, there's, uh, okay, we're gonna have a late crosstalk this morning, so I will keep chatting away for the moment. Uh, Jacqueline's saying, we have three generations in our household. This is the thing, because I come from a sort of culture where I find the idea of different generations not living together very strange. Um, it was it was regarded as peculiar to my grandparents, for example, that as soon as I was 18, I went away from home to university. Why didn't I study nearby? Well, because I wanted to go to that university, which is a four hour drive from my house, didn't I? Um, it didn't really make a lot of sense because... If you're from Latin culture and also a Semitic culture, really, and also you're from a very small island where you don't have to travel very far any great distance, it doesn't make any sense. Um, Maggie is saying, so sorry, Mary's dowry, that was soundbite from yesterday because I got busy and forgot to play it yesterday. There will be another chance to win today. Okay, there we go. Another chance to win. It can still happen. <sighs> I certainly think space must be a bit of an issue because my feeling is is an adult maybe needs a bit more space than a small child. Um, But how do you deal with those tensions? You know, do you have house rules? But then how do you enforce a house rule? Um, As the article says, you can't send them to their room, can you? You can't give them time out. There has to be some way, I suppose, of communicating it. It really means a different kind of um, a relationship. But yes, for me, it was perfectly normal. You know, you, you all live together and that's what you do. Um, I was unusual in that I was, you know, a generation growing up in Britain. I moved away and there was no way I was going to go back to living at home afterwards. I'd got used to my independence. And in any case, you know, my family home was in the middle of nowhere where there was no employment. However, now things are different again. Um my children, I live just south of London, so an easy commute of the big city where most of the jobs are and a lot of study opportunities are. And my children have sort of indicated there's no intention of moving out and I don't particularly need them to move out. Um, so I, I can't help thinking maybe this is a positive thing or perhaps that sort of post-war experiment the fragmenting of families into different generational groups, perhaps that was just an experiment and it didn't work. It was not financially viable, you know, with increasing numbers of young people complaining of loneliness. Maybe it was just not a good idea for all sorts of reasons. And it's been found, you know, even without the, the financial meltdown, perhaps we've realized it doesn't quite work. Would you like, if your children are not living at home, would you love it if they did live at home? Come on now, let's have a frank conversation about this. CRT, Irwell, well, just joining the conversation. It used to be very common for multi-generations to live under the same roof. Exactly. And I'm sure it came and does come with tensions. I also think it's not – this article, this news story, is looking at it completely from the point of view of parents of adult children and the tensions they face. The tensions can go both ways. A friend of mine went to – she – married a Q80 and went out to live in Q8, And they all live under the same roof. And it's challenging. First of all, if you're not used to it, but living with your in-laws with multiple generations and people you don't even know very well, yeah, it can be tough. On the one hand, it does give them a certain amount of financial security, you know, she's never lonely during the day, but there's not a lot of privacy. You don't have a lot of control over your living space. For a woman, I think that can be quite tough. If you're the young woman and you don't have your own kitchen, I think that can be quite stressful. Um, lots more comments coming in. Hey, Mike, when you're ready for crosstalk, you just launch in, OK? Um, good morning, Tony B., you're going to have to set your alarm earlier, you know, not joining the conversation. But there we are. It's better late than never. Lovely to have you in the chat room. Jeffy Mann, I left home at 18, joined the Marine Corps, got married at 20, have lived away from my parents ever since. Of course, we did go home to live on my, mother's, uh, on my wife's family farm with her mother for a few years after coming back from Texas. Interesting times. But our daughters loved living with their grandma. There we are. So there's, there's another advantage. You've got your children getting to know the grandparents well. CRT, oh, well, I think it's important for young women to live at home until marriage. It seems to appear a certain a certain stability. Yeah. Um, Jacqueline is saying there are times when it would be nice to have a quiet household. Sure. I get you. Absolutely. Um Maggie uh, Maggie's dowry. Mary's dowry. Sorry. Um, I come from the same culture. My granddaughter goes to university and works here and plans to study until she gets married. To stay, to stay until she gets married. Yeah. CRT. Oh well, my son and family moved back in with us for six months while they built their house. It was a little stressful as we were tight for space, but we sure missed them when they moved. Um, chicken lady, our house is too quiet most times. Jacqueline saying we really enjoy having our grandson. Tony B late night. Oh, I hope it was for a good reason. I hope it was a pleasant, a pleasant late night. Dr. Torres. What is this? Ah, uh-huh. therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Well, yes,
2: we need to send Dr. Torres a link to the Dewey Rheims Bible.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I've got your cold.
2: Was that uh-huh. you doing that? Yeah. First you said bastard in my ear, now you snot in my ear. What? Do you, where is Fiorella, and what have you done with her?
0: <laughs> yes, this is this is like you know the the um the sign that there's been a nuclear holocaust. You know, it's not really me.
2: <laughs> you had a banner day today. You had a phone call. You gave a prize away.
0: Yeah. And then I after all that, you
2: forget the mute button. Come on. Yeah,
0: Sorry, it just came on rather quickly. And then you
2: bashed <laughs> and then you 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 bash my favorite movie, The Great Escape.
0: I didn't bash it, I just said <laughs> Chicken Run was better.
2: I have never even heard there was a there was a movie called the uh, The Chicken Chronicles, but I've never mm. heard of the Chicken Run.
0: Mm. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. You would enjoy it, seriously. You'll laugh. If you like The Great Escape, you will laugh all the way through Chicken Run. It's full of of moments like that.
2: Okay. So uh, uh, one of the reasons why I love The Great Escape so much is because um, when I was growing up, there was no such thing as cable TV. Right. The only thing that we had was even close to it was UHF. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and we did have, uh, they were called independent stations. So, you know, yeah. you had your, your three networks over here. You had ABC, CBS, NBC. I guess in the UK, you had BBC, BBC, and BBC. Yeah. Uh, okay, so on the UHF channels, you, they were primarily, they would regurgitate or they would, uh, they would replay old TV shows. As serials, like they played every day, same time, or they play old movies. So that's how we would get um, like reruns of this uh, uh, TV show Gilligan's Island and mm-hmm. the Beverly Hillbillies," we got on our local UHF channel. So when I was yeah. a little Cheerens, I was watching uh, the uh, uh, sitcoms, basically from the '60s. Now, over on the network side, which my stepfather ruled with an iron hand when uh, he was home, that's what you would watch. <laughs> There's no such thing as UHF. Mm-hmm. You would get some of, uh, you know, they, they would have movie presentations where you would, uh, uh, you would get films that had come out, well, you know, maybe 10 years ago that were, uh, that were very popular. The Great Escape won a bunch of Academy Awards. Mm-hmm. And so The Great Escape was one of them. So when I was probably, oh, I don't know, eight, nine, somewhere up in there, mm-hmm. uh, The Great Escape came on on the Thursday night movie of the week or whatever it was. And uh, we, we started watching it as a family. As I remember, my sisters weren't interested in it at all. So it just was me and the old man, I watched it all the way to the end. I had to stay up to like 11 because that's an epic. Yeah. That has an intermission and everything in it. Yeah. Excuse you remember me. when you used to go to theater uh, uh, for epics, and they had have to stop in the middle of it so everybody can go up and go to the loo.
0: You virtually never get an intermission in a British cinema,
2: even with a three-hour-long film.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I went, when I saw, I remember. I think the longest film I saw was um, *Schindler's List*, and there was no, there was no interval at all.
2: So uh, I watched The Great Escape as a child, and then if they were popular, whatever the uh, the network was that had run the movie, they'd run it every year. So every year I would get to I can I can name the movies for you. I would get to watch The Great Escape. I would get to watch mm-hmm. The Wizard of Oz, and I would look forward to get to watch uh, Jason and the Argonauts. You ever see Jason and the Argonauts? Nope. Uh, young so, Young Hugh would like to watch Jason and the Argonauts. Okay. So it's a film about uh, the the Greek mythology uh, the the, the, uh, the Greek mythological story of the Golden Fleece. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. so it's Jason and the Argonauts but Jason was the leader of the uh who is the Greek, who was the Greek goddess starts with an M what was her name Mithra uh, uh, Minerva was it Minerva sends him on a quest uh, the thing is now if you watch and I want to say that they remade Jason and the Argonauts recently um, sure. oh, I love Jason and the Argonauts when I, it's a sh- it's a wonderful film when you're a, you're a young boy has a giant mm-hmm. uh, uh Achilles statue that right. they have to defeat on the island I can't remember the island that the, the Achilles uh, uh, ran, uh, that he ran um, yep. but if you go back and you watch <clears throat> Jason and the Argonauts today uh, whoever made it was obviously a Catholic because the woman that sends Jason on the quest if you if, if you watch it and watch it carefully this is obviously a type of Our Lady. Okay. Yes, it's a very interesting thing because I watched Jason and the Argonauts in the last, I don't know, five years or so. I was bored one night and it came on. So I watched it and I went, he's using the the woman as as Our Lady um, or as as, as an Our Lady figure. Anyway, so that's why I love The Great Escape so much because I've seen it 30 times. (laughs) <laughs> of course it has all your favorite actors in it. It has Richard Dawson. It had yeah. it had um oh, Donald Pleasant was the bad guy. I mean the blind guy. It had oh who played um the who's the other English guy that played the colonel?
0: Um I think there was Gordon Jackson plays um which one is that? Intelligence.
2: British intelligence officer. So you yes. so mm-hmm. you had the guy that's the commander. So Richard Dawson is mm-hmm. from the the RAF. Yep. Yeah. Right? And then, um, uh, it's just, it's such such a great, such a great movie. Uh, Of course, my favorite scene is when they're chasing, when the Nazis are chasing Steve McQueen. There was no such thing as cable TV. Right. The only thing that we had was even close to it was UHF. Mm Mm-hmm. So, and we did have, uh, they were called Independent Stations. So you know yeah. you had your your three networks over here. You had ABC, CBS, NBC. I guess in the UK you had BBC, BBC, and BBC. Yeah. Uh, okay. So on the UHF channels, you they were primarily they would regurgitate or they would uh, they would replay old TV shows as serials, like they played every day, same time. Or uh, they play old movies. So that's how we would get, um, like, reruns of this uh, uh, TV show, Gilligan's Island, and mm-hmm. the Beverly Hillbillies, we got on our local UHF channel. So when I yes. was a little cheering, I was watching uh, the uh, uh, sitcoms basically from the 60s. Now, over on the network side, which my stepfather ruled with an iron hand when uh, he was home, that's what you would watch. <laughs> There's no such thing mm-hmm. as UHF. You would get some of uh, you know they they would have movie presentations where you would uh, uh, you would get films that had come out well, you know maybe ten years ago that were uh, that were very popular. The Great Escape won a bunch of Academy Awards mm-hmm. And so the Great Escape was one of them. So when I was probably oh I don't know, eight, nine, somewhere up in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Great Escape came on On the Thursday night movie of the week Or whatever it was And uh, we, we started watching it as a family As I remember my sisters weren't interested in it at all So it just was me and the old man I watched it all the way to the end I had to stay up to like 11 Because that's an epic Yeah, That has an intermission and everything in it yep. You remember minute. when you used to go to theater uh, uh, For epics And they'd have to stop in the middle of it So everybody can go up and go to the loo
0: you virtually never get an intermission in a British cinema,
2: even with a three-hour-long film.
0: Yeah, I, I, when I went, when I saw, I remember. I think the longest film I saw was um, Schindler's List, and there was no, there was no interval at all.
2: So uh, I watched The Great Escape as a child, and then if they were popular, whatever the uh, the network was that had run the movie, they'd run it every year. So every year, I would get to, I can, I can name the movies for you. I would get to watch The Great Escape. I we get to watch mm. The Wizard of Oz and I would look forward to get to watch uh, Jason and the Argonauts. You ever see Jason and the Argonauts? Nope uh, young no. young Hugh would like to watch Jason and the Argonauts. Okay. so it's a film about uh, the Greek mythology uh, the, 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 uh, the Greek mythological story of the Golden Fleece. Yeah, yes. So it's Jason and the Argonauts, but Jason was the leader of the... Uh, who is the Greek, Who was the Greek goddess? Starts with an M. What was her name? Mithra? Uh, uh, Minerva? Was it Minerva sends him on a quest? Uh, the thing is, now, if you watch... And I want to say that they remade Jason and the Argonauts recently. Um, sure. oh, I love Jason and the Argonauts. when I, it's, a sh- it's a wonderful film when you're a, you're a young boy. has a giant mm-hmm. uh, uh, Achilles statue that they have to defeat on the island. I can't remember the island, the the, the Achilles uh, 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 that he ran. Um, But if you go back and you watch Jason and the Argonauts today, uh, whoever made it was obviously a Catholic because the woman that sends Jason on the quest, if if, if you watch it and watch it carefully, this is obviously a type of Our Lady, okay yes it's a very interesting thing because I watched Jason and the Argonauts in the last I don't know five years or so I was bored one night and it came on so I watched it and I went that's he's using uh, her, uh, he's using the woman as as our lady um, or as, um, as, as as an Our Lady figure anyway so that's why I love the Great Escape so much because I've seen it 30 times. Right. Of course it has all your favorite actors in it. It has Richard Dawson. It yeah. had it had um Donald Pleasant was the bad guy. I mean the blind guy. It had oh who played um the who was the other English guy that played the colonel?
0: Um I think there was Gordon Jackson plays um which one is that? Intelligence.
2: British intelligence officer. So you yes. so <laughs> you had the guy that's the commander. So Richard Dawson is mm. from the the RAF. Yeah. Right? And then um, uh, it's just it's such such a great mo- such a great movie. Uh, of course, my favorite scene is when they're chasing when the Nazis are chasing Steve McQueen and he and he commandeers the motorcycle.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the that's the iconic scene, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
2: We has to jump the motorcycle up and over the fence, up the embankment, yeah. and over the fence. What a stunt! <laughs> yeah.
0: Did he do his own stunts?
2: Did he do his own stunts? Mm. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I wondered. think he—he I, 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 he was probably one of those kind of guys that did his own stunts. I would imagine.
0: He's—he's mm. he's sort of an action man, isn't he? Just...
2: He died very young. <laughs> it was tragic that he died. Um, uh, car, was
0: it car crash? <clears throat>
2: no, no, he had a heart attack.
0: Oh, gosh, awful.
2: Um. There. Uh, uh, okay. So, uh, uh, your friend and mine, KV Turley, wrote a story about Steve McQueen. And about how, I think it was KV that wrote it, about how McQueen, um, as a young man, was, um, he was either raised Catholic or they became Catholic. And then, of course, you know, he becomes a movie star and he completely falls away. And then um, there was a turning point in his life and near the end of his life. I want to say that Steve McQueen came back to, uh, because I want to say he fathered a, a child out of wedlock. And mm. he had to accept that. And I want to say that he came back to the church, to the faith.
0: Okay. Um, I, I, I,
2: don't, I don't remember. It's just been a long time since I read the story. But uh, I'm a Steve McQueen kind of fan. Uh, you, you know, if bullet comes on, I'm going to watch it.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, I, I can imagine. I, I don't think I've seen a single, apart from The Great Escape, I don't think I've, which I've never even seen all the way through, I don't think I've seen a single Steve McQueen film.
2: Now, the Teenage Nugent Midget Turtles, as I make fun of them and call them, were very popular here.
0: Yeah, no, they they were popular here as well, but I don't think it was quite as big a thing.
2: Well, Fiorella, uh, I'm pretty sure. Didn't we just get a new teenage midget turtles movie year or Apparently, two ago?
0: Apparently, yes. Someone just mentioned there was a new one. Like, seriously, they're still making this rubbish. Okay,
2: so well, well they name them. At, okay, you have Michelangelo, you have Donatello, you have Raphael. So you have two named after archangels.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And and who's the fourth? Michelangelo, Donatello, uh, Leonardo, Leonardo, and Raphael.
0: Yes. So, it
2: just, no, mm, go ahead.
0: kind of just felt silly. <laughs> well, I, and I, I,
2: I had not heard of the anime film that came out that you got that you conned Philip into going to see and reviewing for you.
0: <laughs> God, this, this, got, this radio thing is
2: very is becoming a very powerful tool for you.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> you get, get people to do my reviews for me. That's cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, are you going to show it to them?
0: I think I will. Yes, maybe after Christmas, though.
2: Okay, so Maggie just put in the chat room, shortly before he died, McQueen said, my only regret in life is that I was not able to tell people about what Christ did for me. Oh, wow. Uh, On his coffin was laid a Bible that had been given to McQueen uh, uh, previously. I'm I'm almost certain that this story, the end of McQueen's life, has a Catholic ending to it.
0: Just, that's so beautiful, though. And I,
2: and I hope it does. I mean, anyway, yeah. We hope everyone did. You know, Marion Morrissey, the famous actor who we call John Wayne.
0: Yeah, Marion.
2: Yes, his name was Marion.
0: Good heavens, he kept that quiet.
2: You didn't know that? That's a great Irish name.
0: Marion, for, for a boy? For a Marian? boy.
2: M-A-R-I-O-N, Marion. Oh, there we go. So <laughs> uh, Marion Morrissey, that's his, John Wayne's uh, birth name um came back to the faith uh, after you know he was di- diagnosed with cancer i guess He's not catholic christian He died christian mm-hmm. okay so Tim Mcqueen died as a christian
1: yeah he talked to billy
2: Graham, the evangelist before he died but it read <clears throat> bible verses and all that okay so. all right uh well we don't According know to we 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 uh, we don't know how it extends to we, we don't know how god's mercy extends in those in those cases right yeah. So we uh, so we don't know. So this anime movie, you know, the anime was was extremely extremely popular over here in the states.
0: Well, I didn't know that. It's only recently sort of taken Britain by storm. Oh
2: my lord! We have entire conventions over here. Wow! That the kids go to and trade their anime cards and what have you, and swap stories about their favorite anime films. What was the Speed Racer? Speed Racer was the most popular children's cartoon of all time.
1: Never and that's, heard of it.
2: You've never seen Speed Racer? No. Okay, well that is the founding uh, that is the founding stone of <laughs> all anime is Speed Racer.
0: Right. Okay. So, that's good
2: to know. Do you know what a Pokémon card is? Yes. Uh, pay very close attention to Pokémon cards because most of the images on the Pokémon cards are
0: demons? Well, we, we don't read, we don't do them, so I, I didn't know that. It's almost
2: like having tarot cards for kids.
0: That's a really awful. I, I mean, I've heard of them, but I've, n- I've never seen them, so I don't know what they look like.
2: <laughs> so, so a uh, uh, are, are they
0: definitely demons? It's not a, it's not a mistake.
2: Okay, I had a guy tell me, and he showed me a couple of slides, and he goes, what does that look like to you? And I said, a demon. And then the next slide is, okay, it's actually a character that's a Pokemon. And he well, goes, what does that look like? I said, a demon, and he, and he swapped it, and it's Pokemon. Um, well, I never looked into it, but it would not surprise me. Oh dear. There's hardly anything that could surprise me now. Finally, part, part, final parting shot for you, uh, mm-hmm. and this will be a story that will, uh, uh, I'm sure, will be very interesting to you because you would be one of the people that the, the, the story would be talking about. This is at the Daily Mail today. How mm-hmm. the college degree lost its value? Yeah. Nearly half of U.S. companies plan to axe bachelor's <laughs> degree requirements. After Walmart, Accenture, and IBM lead the charge.
0: Wow! Now I don't. Game changer. Now, do you have
2: state-funded scholarships for what you call university?
0: Well, when I went to university, it was mostly state-funded. You just had to pay um you had to pay a thousand pounds a year mm-hmm. towards your tuition fees, but the rest was paid for. Um gradually, the state has ratcheted back how much it funds universities, and now it's reasonably expensive to go to university. So it is making a difference in terms of whether or not young people go to university at all because it is just becoming so expensive.
2: So you didn't have it so to the point where everyone was expected to go and get this uh, piece of paper called a bachelor's degree.
0: Oh, yes. There was very much the expectation you went to university when I was a student, but that has completely changed now because it's just become so expensive. Okay, got it.
2: Well, uh, in any event, uh, the it has become – because uh, – <laughs> If everyone is. Okay, name, name name a crooner of yours that you actually approve of that you like. A what? Singer. Chanter.
0: Oh, um. Uh. uh my, my, my memory escapes me just at the moment.
2: Well, let's just insert. Uh, how about Andrea Bocelli?
0: Oh, okay. It doesn't have to be a pop singer. Okay, Placido Domingo. I gather now.
2: Placido Domingo. Okay. Uh, if everyone is Placido Domingo, then no one is a Placido Domingo. Right. So, well, everyone can sing now. We have auto tune, and your know, computers can fix voices, and you can do this. Well, then that means that no one can sing. So you, you can't have. You, you you have to have a, a distinctions. And yeah. you have to have uh, kind of accreditations, if you will, or credentials in these fields and in distinctions. Well, what happened in the United States is that the distinctions and the uh, accreditations were basically removed. So that no matter what you were, you were expected to go to four-year university and get a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, uh, and it was just basically that go there, mm-hmm. get drunk, have a lot of sex, uh, avoid becoming an, 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 an adult, a, maybe a husband or a father or a mother uh, for four to six years, and then go to work for the man for another four to six years. And before you know it, you're in your 30s, you're childless, and you're just a number in a tax paying lottery. Uh, so that's how it happened here, and they were very successful at it. So uh, I don't know that it's actually coming to an end, but maybe it is.
0: Well, I think it's just over here. We, you know, we had several generations, two generations who had completely free university education, mm-hmm. um, and then there's the Blair government. Tony Blair, having enjoyed a free education, then went and started charging for it, um, and. Yeah, it was always known that once they, the government started charging for university, it was it was only a matter of time before it became more and more expensive and became too expensive. And I think it's just a, it's just being practical. It's ah it's a question of having to ask: Is this university degree going to help me, mm. or is it just going to put me into a lot of debt that I'm going to struggle to pay? Okay. Um, and it's but it's it's a tough decision because there will be, I'm sure, very. Clever young people who will not be able to go to university because they just can't justify the cost.
2: Hmm. Well, uh, they figured out how to do this here by saddling thirty million kids with this thing called student debt, student loan debt.
0: Oh no, we have student loans too.
2: Yeah, do you have do you have, a, do you have a, a fourteen trillion dollars or fourteen trillion pounds worth?
0: I don't know how much it comes to, but it's a lot, and it's I suppose it's probably less than in the US. It's been going a bit less time, but. It, it's a lot. I mean, and there are people who will simply never pay it off.
2: No, uh, there are a lot of people here that uh, that's why they're uh, having debt loans forgiven. It's a it's a tragedy. Uh, university is something that you know, it's not for everyone. And uh, like I said, if everyone goes to university. And you know, what's the point of anyone going to university?
0: Mm.
2: <laughs> what's, what, what's the point? All right. So you you were swapped with the South Africans for Friday.
0: Um, yes. And Paul Macaree is doing the show tomorrow because I have another ice skating event. So you will hear from me again on Thursday.
2: All right, sounds good. Well, uh abiento, madame.
0: Abiento and get well soon. We. Hmm? Oui. It, it it is. 35 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from Chile, England. Don't forget to write to me at furella at crusadechannel.com and the chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I'll now leave you with the king dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. <laughs>